0: Coming to you from the greatest city in the world, this is the number one showbiz podcast. It's Talk for Two. Here's your host, Matt Bailey.
1: Thank you, Gary, and thanks as always to our season sponsors, Axtel Expressions and the Tangent Bound Network. Find fantastic podcasts at tangentboundnetwork.com, and all your entertainment needs are at AxTel. Dot com. Happy Independence Day, everyone. Here we are, 4th of July on a Thursday. And I hear a lot of people are saying they have a four day weekend. Thank you, Founding Fathers. <laughs> I don't know. Normally it's a Friday or a Thursday. You get you get the whole week off. What would happen in the middle of when win- if it were on a Wednesday? Would we get a five day weekend? Would we get like the, the equivalent of a Christmas vacation? Christmas in July? I don't know. But I am grateful for this four day weekend and to share this interview with you because while I was in Las Vegas, I had the chance to sit down with one of my all-time favorite TV stars, Rick Harrison of the History Channel's Pawn Stars. Now airing its 16th season, Pawn Stars has gone from a half-hour format to an hour-long exploration of the cool, rare, and sometimes strange artifacts brought into the world-famous Gold and Silver Pawn Shop. When the shop first opened, World Famous was a meaningless moniker meant to attract intrigue and trust. But it turned into a prophecy as Pawn Stars is now the longest-running reality show in cable history. No pun intended because it airs on the History Channel. Rick Harrison is as smart as he appears on the show. In this chat, we talk about everything from the origins of the shop to his farm in upstate Oregon. Just wait till you hear what he did to his property. But Rick really lightens up at the mention of his father. While the late Richard Old Man Harrison could be a notorious hard-ass and taught his children some important lessons that way, Rick still calls his father his best friend. You can still feel the elder Harrison's influence on the shop from the minute You walk in. He and Rick built it together, and he is surely missed. Uh, This is one of those all-over-the-place chats that really kind of just speaks for itself. I can't introduce it because we weren't talking about anything specific. They're in the middle of airing the 16th season. This was just just the opportunity of a lifetime to pick the brain of one of the smartest people on the planet. Here now, recorded on location at the world-famous Gold and Silver Pawn Shop, our interview with rick harrison rick harrison welcome to talk for two how are you today sir
0: i'm doing fabulous absolutely great
1: well thank you so much for agreeing to meet me in the world-famous gold and silver pawn shop and yep. it really is world famous because yep. history channel took that bet on you and what are we at 14 16 seasons now
0: 17 you're going into right? i'm about to start filming 17.
1: oh wow That's it gets good.
0: confusing at this point
1: <laughs> i'm sure it's uh it's really fun what was what led to the decision to go to that hour format this season oh uh, well no
0: i um uh, it was the network came along so you know i've been wanting to do it for years and years because uh, i would just like I'd really like to spend a little little bit more time with each item and uh, uh, then um, Mary Donahue, who was like my original producer, started being my producer at History Channel again. Yeah. And uh, like she's absolutely amazing and she came up with the idea and everyone went with it. And I, lo- I said, I've been wanting to do it for years.
1: When did you, I read your biography many, many years ago and I, or, you know, when it came out a couple of years ago, um, what led to your decision to want to do a TV show? Can you talk a little bit more about well, that? Well, because
0: for lack of a better term, I was always a media whore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, every time I got, know. like, national press, I mean, it would be good for business. So, yeah. Uh, I guess it was, like, like, 14, 15 years ago, I uh, decided, you know, hey, if I get one of these reality shows and get a season or two, it it'll be good for business. So for, for four years, I pitched the show. And... Uh, for years, I kept on being told that no one wants to watch a reality show about four fat guys in a pawn shop, <laughs> and um, it, uh, it happened. It's amazing. Now, there is a rumor, if you can't
1: answer this for, for reasons of confidentiality about production, I can edit this question out, that you guys don't actually film in the shop, that, you, that there's a duplicate set somewhere. and I think that's just a rumor because somebody told me they shut down the store. When you film and everybody goes over to your Pawn Plaza, which is really cool. So, how has production changed from the first season to now that you guys are world famous with this show? Um,
0: It more or less is the same, you know. It's, um, we, um, like, okay, so, it gets a lot, it's a lot weirder now. I mean, like, after 570 episodes, I think. Yeah. Um, You know, so, uh, you know, people come in the shop all the time, like, you know, with something really cool. If, you know, if the front people at the front counter say, Hey, this is really cool. Yeah. They'll go, Can you hold on for a few minutes? They'll bring someone out from uh, the production company and say, Hey, can you schedule this for this day to come in? Yeah. Or we'll get a, you know, people submit stuff online all the time and things like that. So in the morning, I go through like 50 different, you know, I never actually, see, you know, I get a, a really bad little internet JPEG printed out on a our really low budget printer because for some reason I don't know we never got a good printer. And then I, I see a little picture of it and what the person thinks it is, and I just go through them with like done it, done it, done it. That's cool, let's do that. And I go through them like that, and that's how so we have to schedule everything to come in, otherwise, it'd be just be sort of insanity. And then, um, but it's really when they come in, it's the first time I saw it, um, and it's literally you know. Sometimes they come in with it. It's it's nothing like what I thought it was, or it's completely fake, or it's you know, and uh, and you know, it, it's television production, so it's a little bit different than you see on TV. So you yeah, know, well, they'll you know the director will put them at the front door, and they'll walk up, and say, hey, what do you got here? Do they talk for a second? Then I'll say like, okay, and the director will say, all right, do it again because we need a different camera angle. Oh, that's great. Or or a lot of the times we have the problem with like, uh, you know personal come in and they'll talk to the crew and everything. They're all normal and everything like that. And then they'll walk up and they'll go, hey, what do you got? And it's like, uh, uh, uh. They camera shy. Oh, yeah. They just, once the camera gets in their face, it's just like, all right, calm down. Let's do it again. And they'll come back and like, uh, uh. <laughs> or it's like, I have, I, I have a, um, I have, have this, um, yeah. Um. And like, no one can hear you okay no. am I getting yeah. mad i just your upset like, let's try it again and like uh, yeah and sometimes we just sit there like yeah this is never going to air <laughs>
1: <laughs> how how long does it take to get a typical episode ready or, or for to find enough items
0: to get it? um, well I mean there's a lot of pre-production and everything yeah. like that you guys a lot of people like Uh, like so once we do approve stuff especially people out of state you know we've got people like getting airplane flights and a hotel room and everything like that they don't get paid to be on the show or anything like that and then um, uh, we get a you know but we can film a one hour episode in three or four days just depending sometimes we travel a lot you know like last season I traveled a whole lot
1: yeah and you're doing a, a motorcycle tour I, I heard coming up here can you tell us a, a little well no
0: I mean like every year me and my me and my buddies going like a two thousand two or three thousand motorcycle run uh-huh. 2, three thousand miles uh, this year we're going to like six thousand miles we're going from Vegas to Alaska and back and uh, the route we picked has right around in that round trip of that six thousand miles like a thousand miles if it's off-road
1: oh wow that's amazing
0: I'm a junkie for a motorcycle. I mean, like, I, yeah.
1: Well, yeah, no, my uncle is, and uh, so that's yeah, that's I've amazing. Like a
0: dozen surgeries from. Him. Wow, oh my God, you okay? <laughs> I got five broken vertebrae, three knee surgeries, ankle surgery, shin surgery. Uh, Maybe
1: stop. I don't know. <laughs> it's in a day.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why around? Yeah.
1: Ever thought about taking the history crew with you and filming that and seeing?
0: No, it would be fun. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I'm just with really a bunch of my buddies, yeah. <laughs>
1: that's great, that's great. I want to go back to the beginning and talk about... Plus,
0: plus the history crew would not be cool with, like, stopping in the middle of the road in, in Canada and just like, so I guess we're going to sleep here? Yeah. <laughs> i just whip out my hammock, put it between two trees. <laughs>
1: that's that's great. That How did you... When did you become an outdoorsman? Like, when...
0: Oh, I've always been. I've been yeah. riding motorcycles since uh, the uh, 70s, I mean... Uh, Five, five, like five months a year, I live off the. My place up in Oregon is completely off the grid. Yeah, I mean, there's. I make. I make, I uh, power my. I got three houses there, two garages, a well, and a full blown machine shop that I've got solar panels and windmills, and I have a hydroelectric power plant that's like it's a little mini Hoover Dam that, mm-hmm. um, and I power everything with that. And,
1: that's amazing.
0: And it's. Uh, an electrical nightmare to try and get all this stuff to work together but I figured it I got yeah I mean like my machine shop I have six phase uh, wind turbines that I that go through these diode packs I made that goes into a uh, charge controller um, but that charges the batteries but when the batteries are full or the turbines are spinning so fast I have uh, the power is redirected into resistor packs and that goes, you know, so those charge the batteries. Then I have solar panels that charge the batteries. It goes into a split-phase inverter, which powers um, a rotary three-phase converter that runs all of my machine tools. And uh, I had to wire that all okay yeah.
1: That is amazing. I You are just, you are one of the smartest people in the world. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, uh, yeah. you done that all yourself. That's crazy. Yeah, that's well,
0: cr- it's, uh, it's brain damage, trust me. <laughs> 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 yeah. That's
1: right. When you were younger, you, you spent a lot of time in your bed and
0: you yeah, well, just. Yeah, I mean, read. I, I um, when I was a kid, I, well, up till I was 18 years old, I had epilepsy. I had yeah. The, the uh, I'd have violent seizures that would rip the muscles in my back and my legs, and yeah. sometimes I couldn't week, walk for like two weeks. So yeah, anyway, it's the early 70s. We're you know my dad's in the, my dad's in Vietnam. You know my yeah. mom's trying to sell real estate on the side. We definitely didn't have a lot of money. And remember, this was the early '70s. When most kids today don't, don't realize that there was three TV channels. <laughs> the only time you yeah. got to see a cartoon was on Saturday morning. Yeah. So, I read books. Yeah. And uh, I sort of got it. I just, ever since I've been eight years old, I've been like addicted to reading. To...
1: That hunger for knowledge, yeah. that hunger to know more. Yeah. And even now on the show, you guys use experts. Has something surprised you? What, what's been the thing that's most surprised you? Not an item, but something that you've learned from one of the experts that you've brought in for the show, or to, even to appraise something not on the show. what's, what's surprised I you? I've I, I
0: learned all sorts of interesting, I'm a sponge for knowledge, yeah. you know, I mean, I got a, I obviously I have a really weird brain because I'll forget my kid's name sometime. Uh, it's oh, easy God. when you got six of them. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
1: My, my, my dad my my grandmother does that she's she she's done that for years even when she was your age because she had two kids she'll go through mark Mike Diana it's it's just yeah, it. like when
0: I start yelling my yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh no uh, no uh, I don't know if there's anything I've been truly shocked by but like goes uh, just sort of re- reading history you know, I but I really am that book nerd I mean like I'd like to tell everybody like you know I read the history of batteries twice
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Why? What What fascinates you? How does your brain work? Well, no, I just love just... to learn things and I yeah. love
0: to build things. And, uh, you know, uh, I just, uh, I, you know, I'm a real, I'm a spastic guy. I sleep like five hours a night. Yeah. And uh, I just like to work with my hands and I, uh, you know, I just like to absorb knowledge and all this. And that's why, that's probably why the show's so successful. I mean, yeah. There was like, at one point, there was like 30-some shows cop trying to copy mine. Yeah. Okay? And they all, and I would watch some of them and go like, got that wrong, got that wrong, got that... You know, every, you know. Mm-hmm. And you could tell they were reading off a script that some intern wrote for them. Yeah. Okay? But no, I mean, I, this stuff really yeah. is in my head. I yeah. really okay. am that guy. Don't ask me anything about popular culture or anything like that. Right. Because, <laughs> like, there's been plenty of times, like, I remember like a couple of years ago, like, when the girls wanted to meet Adam Levine mm-hmm. and, yeah... And I was like, who's that? And they're going like, big deal, then." <laughs> like, I mean, you know, and then like, uh, who was that video I was on? That one rap video with a bunch of celebrities. Uh, you were with Rascal Flatts and went with a bunch of celebrities. Oh, uh, the Bob Dylan one? No, not the Bob Dylan. I know who Bob Dylan was. I was, in, I was in Bob Dylan's first video we did in like 40 years. Oh
1: my goodness, yes.
0: And then it was... Uh,
1: a rat video I can't imagine Rick Harrison being in a rap well, I mean I had no idea I've never are. seen the video I just
0: don't remember yeah, who I, it was I mean, well I've been in a bazillion videos music videos so I, it was, the, the Bob Dylan one was really Bob Dylan's a huge fan uh, of the show
1: yeah that's amazing
0: as a matter of fact he was actually I was like he was, he was on my show it was like the first television show he had been on in like 20 years he came on Pawn Stars
1: that's amazing that's great I've wondered I've often wondered watching the show because I, I love to watch it because I know you pitched it to many networks I know your knowledge and your vastness of your intellect would have been a part of everything you did but do you feel like the show would have been different if it weren't on History Channel a show focused on learning oh, yeah I, I'm glad
0: I'm really glad it's on History Channel because I was you know because um, I wouldn't have done a show that was full of drama yeah you know like there was that show for a while hardcore pond I yeah like, you know, I'm like, I mean, because I would never do, I will, you know, and this, you know, I've had, like, directors that work for show, the show, those directors work for a very short time on the show, um, want me to do, like, drama and everything. I'm like, dude, let, let me explain something. I will never do a tele, do an episode that I would be embarrassed for my mother to watch. Yeah. Okay? It's, or my kids to watch, so.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. it's great. Because I think what those other imitations don't realize is that, If there is any drama or any conflict, it comes from the characters that you guys are in real life. It doesn't come from being manufactured.
0: Yeah, like there was that Beverly Hills pond for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess TMZ did an interview with him after he got canceled and talked a bunch of trash about me. And like TMZ asked me, So what do you got to say about that go Like, I'm still on the air and he ain't. That's all I got to say. Well, My mom always said, like, if you ain't got something nice to say, don't say it at all. <laughs> certainly, certainly. I
1: want to go back to the beginning. I know you talk a little bit about this in the book, but it's been a while since I read it. How did you guys come to start a pawn shop, and how was that the okay, path? So um,
0: you know, I grew up in San Diego. Yeah. You know, I was born in North Carolina. My dad was in the Navy, got transferred to San Diego when I was, yeah. like, two and grew up there. Um, you know, he was in the real estate business and, uh, you know, he would, my dad would not buy apartments unless they had condemned stickers on every door. Mm -hmm. And we'd rehab and resell them. And then like, uh, Jimmy Carter came along and like the, you know, interest rates went to 20%. Like how do you sell any apartments? Ridiculous. And my dad was buying, you know, had a little business where he was buying solid gold in San Diego. And, uh, basically he just, uh, you know, went broke. We, so we all moved to the land of milk and honey. He opened up a little place. Little buy, you know, a little shit, coin shop where he bought and sold coins and yeah. gold, and then, uh, you know, I, I wanted a pawn shop. You wanted a pawn shop, and I uh, came up. I f- discovered a little flaw in the city code because even back in the uh, 80s, a pawn a pawn shop license was like seven, eight hundred thousand dollars. Jeez. and I because they here's the story. So yeah, in 1955, the good old boys got together and said they will issue one more pawn license in the city of Las Vegas when the city population got to a quarter of a million.
1: I remember that, yeah.
0: Okay, but in 1955, only 25,000 people lived in Vegas. They never thought it was gonna happen. Yeah. So like in 87, as a naive 22-year-old, I go down the city business license, I'm like, I want a pond license, so we can't get one. And I go, well, why not? They show me the city code. So like once a week, once every two weeks, I started calling the city statistician. <laughs> so in April of 88, he goes, well, I think we think it's a quarter of a million now. Oh, wow. I'm going like, Cool, so then as a naive 23-year-old, I went down a city business license, I want my pawn license. They didn't give it to me, <laughs> but you know, six months later, the judge says he was the first one there. Yeah. So I got a pond license.
1: That's amazing.
0: And now, uh, so after that, they instituted a system where if you want a pond license in Vegas, uh, every time the city population goes up 50,000, there's a lottery. Yeah. It's $200 a ticket, and usually they sell like two or 3,000 tickets. And then, then if you win the lottery, you get to pay the city sixty thousand for the license. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> so good. it's very profitable for the city when it happens.
1: Didn't, didn't I could be misremembering or just making this up? But didn't your dad buy the building? Did your dad buy the building? This building first?
0: on no we uh, no we had we were here in the building we had a uh, the building he had we had a secondhand store here and yeah. then uh, from there we moved to uh, and then I forgot the yeah. Changed from a second hand uh, business to a pawn shop. That was that building right there, and then eventually, you know, this side of the building was the original building. Yeah. And then I bought this building. And then I bought the parking lot and the what used to be the buildings over there, but I built a shopping center on it now. Mm-hmm. And then I bought that that um, lot over there. So I basically, I owned the entire Seven Hundred Block of Las Vegas Boulevard, but the, except for the last ten, you know, a lot of the other.
1: That's awesome! I love that we're going to go over that new, newer modulated the that. Your, yeah, it's really cool. Plaza. It's a
0: the entire shopping center. They, they look like containers. They're not. They're they're prefab units, but um, mm-hmm. it's one of the greatest things in the world. Since since they're prefab, and they're manufactured in Nevada, they actually have a Nevada mobile home sticker on the on them. Okay. Yeah. So legally, they are equipment sitting on dirt. Okay, so I say, I, so I pay property tax on a vacant lot because there's no building there. Yeah, that's equipment sitting on my. Lawn. Okay, and the way federal tax laws are, since it's equipment, I can depreciate the entire shopping center over five years. So I have. That's amazing. Take take advantage of the, of the tax laws that that's, are insane in this country. That's right. Uh, that make zero sense. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, okay. My last question for you is: You've done so much. You've you've built this empire out of this this pawn shop and uh-huh. this TV show. What's next? What's the next big thing that you're working on?
0: I don't know. I'm opening up a gallery in the Venetian. Um, I just got a, I have a production company. I'm doing a bunch of history videos for some nonprofits. I uh, I got a bar. I got a restaurant. Um, like I said, I got six kids. I got a ranch in Oregon. <laughs> I got three grandkids. I got two horses. I got chickens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, I have like 29 registered vehicles. I have. Uh, I don't. My, my days are always full. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I mean? I I I, I, would, I love life. Life is absolutely amazing. I know guys who have 10 times as much money as I do, and they think and they act. They go around they're miserable. Yeah. I think this is the most amazing ride ever. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be on my tombstone. It was a great ride.
1: Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Well, that's where I'll end it. But I do want to get this on tape. My, I know it's been a little bit, but my condolences for the old man and thank you, uh, thank him for his service indirectly through you because I know it was Memorial Day and he was he was an
0: amazing guy. I mean, because like I said, I was a really sick kid. Never treated me differently at all. Um, Like uh, when I was 12 years old, you know, my friends were watching Saturday morning cartoons. My dad would walk in me and my brother's uh, bedrooms, get your nail bags, and get in the. F-. You just know, say it. okay. Yeah, hey, get your nail bags, and get in the fucking truck. <laughs> okay, there was no excuses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, greatest life lesson I ever got from my dad. when I was 16 years old. Said fuck you to him. He clocked me. <laughs> okay, and I'm just laying on the ground and like. He you know, like looks down at me, and goes like old enough to talk to me like a man, old enough to get your ass beat like one, and just walked away. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Never said another word. I didn't get grounded or anything. The greatest life lesson of my life. But uh, the other thing with my dad is, is like, I literally got to work with my dad for forty years. Yeah. I mean, most most people they're eighteen years old, twenty. You know, you know they end up growing up. They you know they go to college, they move they, out or whatever, yeah. like, and they're lucky if they if they're lucky if they live in the same town and see their parents once a week. Yeah. There are you know a lot of people live, you know live in another city and see their parents maybe if they're lucky every six months, yeah, I got to work with my dad every day for forty years he was literally i i knew my you know, I saw my dad more than my my kids anybody else in the world he was literally not only my dad he was my best friend and uh I knew him better than anybody else yeah you know, I spent more time with him than my mom
1: yeah it's amazing it's really amazing yeah so well, so yeah,
0: man, we used to just and we used to just give each other shit all day long. <laughs> and
1: that came through on the, and that came through on the show. Yeah, and so he's he's and even watching it now, he's still there. He's still yeah. a part mm-hmm. of it, and he helped build this. And I'm sure, I'm sure because he got to see it, he's proud of you. And I'm oh sure yeah, because I, I remember
0: uh, I remember like left field uh, left field pictures. Yeah. Well, they, they were bought out by ITV. But uh, mm-hmm. that was the original production company that got it on the air. Yeah. Okay. And I remember calling him up and going, like, Dad, I got this production company. You know, this is, like, my 17th production company. I'm trying to get this. this. Yes. Yeah. Well, can you come in on Saturday and film? He's going, like, you're never going to get a fucking TV show, Rick. You know, it's never going to fucking happen. I'm like, please just come down and film, okay? <laughs> Eventually, I'm going to get this. And it was like, you know, he was, you know, he was in a group... He was if done. If you ever see the original sizzle reel, he was all pissed off in it. Yeah, Because <laughs> you and your fucking TV show.
1: <laughs> well, that fucking TV show is just going to keep going. Yeah. And Rick, thank you. This yeah. was a pleasure. Yeah. I really, really One really other little factoid. It. Please,
0: please. As far as primetime television shows go, there's yeah. only four shows that have gone over 500 episodes. Gunsmoke, Lassie, yeah. The Simpsons and Me.
1: That's amazing.
0: Yeah. And the amazing thing is that Timmy could fall down the well over 500 times
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's just great
0: yeah oh and if you if you look it up on like uh, you can look it up on Google there's a, there was an article came out in like 2012 right when Simpsons hit 500 episodes yeah why there will never be another television series that ever goes over 500 episodes
1: and then you made them eat their words yep that is great. That is yeah. great. This show is because it's you know you called it a reality show. It's not a reality show. It's classier than the trash. Yeah.
0: Well, the thing is, like, I, one of the reasons why people love to watch is people love to learn history. Mm-hmm. Okay. They just like to hear it from their uncle and not some professor, you know, looking down his nose at you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You
0: know, I mean, if I can, like, you know, I and I just teach it, like, you know, I'm one of the I'm one of your buddies teaching it. You know, what I mean, like, you know, I'm your cool uncle. You yeah. Know? Yeah, because, like, uh, you know, like, one one thing I always talk about, is like, so once we were filming with, like, this little 1890s printing press. Yeah. And well, then what, you know, it was, these were personal printing presses that, you know, that became popular in the 1890s. Well, like, well, this is the equivalent of the Internet. I mean, this, this suddenly, you could mass communicate. I mean, you can make little flyers, you could come up with a newsletter and everything, yeah, I mean, this was mass, you you could now communicate with the masses, I mean, so that, it was literally the 1890s equivalent to the internet, and when you explain that to a 16 year old kid, or a 13 year old kid, well, they go, oh, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, but if you have a professor saying, yes, this was used, the such or such font, and the you know, they're they're sleeping, okay? Yeah. Also, if you wanna teach kids, make them giggle every 30 seconds.
1: That's great advice. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really thanks for having me. Thank you, Rick, and thank you, Laura. The woman who was chiming in, I don't know that you could hear her too well because I actually had Rick and myself mic'd up with lapels. That was Laura, uh, Rick's publicist, who was escorting him to different interviews and stuff that day. He had a bevy a bevy of radio calls from the shop, and then I came in on location at the shop, and I did this. In fact, I had a, a little unprofessional moment on the phone call when she said I was going to get to do it. She says, you're going to get to do this, and we're going to do it at the shop. I went, yes! <laughs> she was like, oh, okay okay you're excited she loved the excitement but I, I kind of lost my composure because I love the show uh, it's really cool the back room is just huge I mean it is gigantic okay it is a warehouse back there the shop itself is so tiny it is so it's just like a, a little landing strip just just you walk in you walk out but the back room is huge it's massive they have to store all of the stuff they get legally they can't put it on the floor if they if they get something on a pawn or they buy something um, they have to put it back there uh, for about 60 to 90 days, make sure it's not stolen, make sure it's all on the up and up. Nobody claims it as their property that was wrongfully pawned or sold or whatever. And so they have to have all that. They have to have more storage space than floor space. So it it was really cool to be back there in their conference rooms, their chairs. You can probably see in the picture on talkfortwo.com. their chairs have a, a golden silver pawn logo. It's, it's, just, it's just the coolest. So thank you, Laura. Thank you, Rick. I also have to say, It is really cool when the personal and professional intersect. Now, we were in Vegas to do all these interviews, and this was a business trip for us, but we intentionally timed it to when my parents were going to be out there for their 30th anniversary trip. Uh, They get embarrassed when I talk about them on the show, but we went out, we surprised them. If you're a friend of mine on Facebook, or you saw the post because it's public. We got him good, okay, in in Las Vegas at the Mirage. Thank you, Terry. All that stuff. He 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 he's, he helped in innumerable ways. So thank you, Terry. But um, we went out and we surprised him. But we had these interviews lined up, and they said, "Can we come with you on the Rick Harrison one?" We wanted to go to Golden Silver anyway. We love the show. I said, well, "Yeah." I said, "I don't know that you'll get to meet him. They're gonna take. They're gonna usher me back, and you know all that stuff." But. uh uh, you know, yeah, come along while I'm back peruse the shop. So they do. And Rick and I, we warmed to each other throughout the interview. And then, you know, he had a lot of media that day. He was thinking about a lot of things. and But we did warm to each other. And finally, I felt comfortable enough where I said to him and Laura, I said, would it be okay? My parents are here. It's their 30th anniversary. They love the show. And they were kind of hinting around that they wanted to meet you. Uh, would, would that be okay? And Laura said, yeah, just grab them, bring them back right here. We'll meet them as he's headed out this back door so you know he doesn't have to go out the front of the shop uh, and get mobbed. They, they have a back door. He said, bring them bring bring him around, and we'll get him right as he's going out the door. And uh, he did. He stood for another two, two minutes. He had a podcast, another podcast to get to. And uh, and he met them. We got a picture. I'm not posting the picture. They don't want me to post the pictures. But uh, we, we met them. And it was, they met him, and it was just, I love when the personal and the professional collide like that. That just, it warms my heart. And I don't know if you're still listening or if you close out after the interview. I hope to heavens that you are still listening. I didn't know that I was going to go into this tangent when I recorded the uh, the, the opening intro, but I, it just warms my heart when when that kind of stuff happens. And in fact, this weekend, to plug an article that you're going to see on the Music Universe, we're going to see New Kids on the Block on Saturday and uh, because i need a driver <laughs> i'm fully admit i'm at home in pennsylvania uh recovering from my septoplasty i don't drive because i'm in you know i'm in new york most of the time uh and uh, so so mom wanted to see him again and she said i will take you happily because you know normally i have to drag a friend along or whatever so she said i will take you i want to see it again so that, that's another really cool thing the review will be up Sunday, the show's Saturday. How it came about is a whole other story that involves having to miss a show uh, on the 2nd and getting to make it up in Hershey. So, uh, that's just really, really cool when the personal and professional collide. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, that's it for us this week. Next week, I'm not sure what date. I know I announced it, but I don't know it off the top of my head, and I'm not going to go clickety clacking right now on the recording to find it, but I know I think it's exactly a week from the day, or maybe a little over a week. We have Noel McNeil. Now, does that name ring a ring a bell? No, he's known uh, as Bear in the Big Blue House, and he is one of Sesame Street's and uh, Muppets' go-to performers. He's on tour right now with the uh, with the Muppets doing their, or with the Sesame Street Muppets doing their fiftieth. Uh, Anniversary across the country jaunt. Uh, I'll tell you more about that. But the the cool thing about this, and very rarely do I get weirded out or or just have weird instances, you know, mind melds in a in an interview. But he's bare. Like there's no. It's not a character voice. It's his voice. It's the 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 coolest thing. But for an interviewer, the freakiest thing because you're trying to get beyond that but all you hear is the childhood nostalgia this is an upcoming childhood nostalgia episode and I am so so excited for you to hear it that'll be next week and that's it for us today thank you again to our season sponsors axtel expressions and the tangent bound network we talked about them at the top of the show follow us on Twitter and Facebook at talk for two visit talk 2.com I call that our mothership want to make sure I pronounce the p mothership, because that has video audio all of our show notes are on there uh, so it, it, it's everything you could ever want more than just listening in your car although please do listen in your car and subscribe to us in itunes and stick to radio and everywhere you can find podcasts or what i call online radio because the distinction is you know i, I could go into my philosophy for for hours but anyway uh and keep in touch email me at talk for to cast t-a-l-k-f-o-r-t-w-o-c-a-s-t at gmail.com. Signing off, I'm Matt Bailey, reminding everyone out there to keep talking for two.
0: You can hear more show business interviews with the stars at talkfor2.com.